Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Coming up on Believe in Soccer, Decision Day is upon us. One final whirlwind of MLS to determine when the Red Bulls will start the playoffs and who their opponent will be. We'll be joined by 17-year-old Caden Clark, the first-year Red Bull whose two goals this season helped turn around fortunes in 2020. The Shep Messing Podcast begins now. One game to go, and when the dust settles on Sunday's action, we'll know whether or not the Red Bulls begin the postseason in the play-in round or the league's round of 16. The playoffs are single elimination. It's going to be fun either way. With Shep Messing, I'm Steve Cangelosi. We may have to rib Caden Clark because he hasn't scored in four games, and he doesn't have a shot in the last two. So you see what happens, Shep, when you set your high standards as a teenager? Everybody like us gets rather spoiled. Well, Steve, we called him the Wonder Kid. I did first. I mean, that first game, Wonder Kid, is is a pretty high bar to live up to. And, look, he's going to settle in. He's going to find his groove. He's going to get comfortable in the game. Uh, look, I don't think he's the player, seriously, who's going to get a goal every game, right? He's he's His position is someplace in the midfield. If he could stick in an occasional goal, that's great, but – the start that he had to his pro career, boy, that, that's, that's wild. I don't expect it like that every game. So this is where we're at in terms of playoff positioning. With Nashville's loss to FC Dallas Wednesday night, the Red Bulls are seventh in the East. They can still finish as high as sixth and avoid the play-in round if two things happen Sunday, if the Red Bulls beat Toronto and if Philadelphia defeats New England. Uh, in the case uh, of a tie in points, the Red Bulls and Revolution each finish with 32 points. The Red Bulls would earn their ninth victory of the season Sunday, so they would own the first tiebreaker, which is most wins. So there is a path here. Can they defeat a highly motivated Toronto FC side? I think that's the key question as we brace for Sunday as they try to move up. Well, Steve, to me, it's not that complicated. The whole dynamic for New York Red Bulls changed when Toronto realized they're in a position to win Supporters' Shield. Totally different mm-hmm. dynamic. Look, you know, the break is coming up. I would, if, the, if there were no break, I would consider playing your second team against Toronto and get rest ready for the playoffs because that's going to be a really, really tough game for Red Bulls to get a win and expect a result uh, that helps them Philadelphia-New England. No matter what happens on Sunday... This team will finish middle of the pack in the East. Do you think that in this year, and this is probably a better question for a few weeks from now, but I'm throwing it out now for a reason. Do you think that in this year, the season that saw leaders like Luis Robles, Bradley Wright Phillips exit the organization, coach Chris Armas lose his job, that there is still much that they can be proud of to this point? What is the thing you would be most proud of if you were connected to the Red Bulls organization right now? Steve, it's a great question, and, and I have a simple answer, and, and it's, a, it's not a knee-jerk reaction. It's a well-thought-out answer, and I think if you're anybody on the Red Bulls team in the front office, if you're a Red Bull supporter, you should feel the same way. I'm excited that Dietrich Mateschitz got involved flew negotiated paid two and a half million 
in that range to get Gerhard Struber. I, I thought for the last two years, and I'm sure the fans thought as well, nobody in Austria cared about Harrison, New Jersey. And, and that, to me, is a seminal moment in, in, you know, you're turning the ship around. So I'm thrilled with that. You're going to have success overnight? No. But you go and get a guy like Kevin Thelwell, he, he's a big hitter. <laughs> this guy is a big hitter. Then Gerhard Struber, those two moves to me have me more excited about this team than I have been in 25 years. Now let's talk a little bit about the game before we get to Caden Clark. Greg Vanny is the superb coach of Toronto FC. The Canadian teams have been at a disadvantage since the league's restart, having to set up shop at temporary bases in the United States. Vanny gave much of his first team a week off, telling them to go home, spend time with their families in Canada. That was the week of the 5 nothing thrashing at the hands of Philadelphia. Maybe he regrets it. Maybe he doesn't. It wasn't until just days ago they get momentum back on their side with a victory over Inter-Miami. The Red Bulls will surely try to duplicate their performance versus Toronto weeks ago in a 1-1 draw. They felt they were the better team that night. Do you agree? I think they were, Steve. I think they had. Red Bulls had the better of the run of play. Uh, they got they got a great goal for the equalizer. They have to feel very good about how they played in that game. This is going to be, though, completely different. And you talked about it before. Toronto FC is playing with a tangible prize at the end of this game, uh, Supporter Shield. And we've talked about what that means now. It means a lot. So I, I, I vacillate about how I would approach this game if you're – New York Red Bulls, but I'll give you one. I'll give you food for thought, and and you can you can mm -hmm. agree or disagree. We've talked about it in this podcast and on air about the absence of Caceres and Kaku for this international break for the World Cup qualifiers, and in all likelihood they would not be here. They wouldn't be here for a play-in game. Doubtful if Red Bulls win the play-in game. So how about the this? train of thought for the game on Sunday. I wouldn't play Caceres and I wouldn't play Kaku because they're not in my playoff plans. I would have one game where pick pick your player. I'd sit, uh, you know, Sean Davis with Drew Yearwood and say, you guys, you're, you're the guys that I'm going into the playoffs with. And Kaku, the same thing. Who's going to be my number 10? Is it Schakowsky? Is it Caden Clark? Is it Florian Velo? I would take this last game against Toronto, and you know I've been talking about it all year. I want to know my starting 11. To mm. me, there's no point in having Caceres and Kaku in this game. I think it's almost a certainty Sean Davis starts. We'll see what the decision is and who he might be paired with in that part of the field. Uh, one more thing. They need this game to give this team reason to believe it can do something in the postseason. They've done some good things, don't get me wrong, but the top four in the East, Philadelphia, Toronto, Orlando City, Columbus, they've played those teams cumulatively seven times this year. They haven't won any of those meetings. There were draws versus Toronto and Orlando. That's all they've come away with. You win one of these finally, and then maybe you go into the playoffs believing You've got a little something. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that, Steve. And I've been saying it all year long. You've been hearing me. This season, this season, 2020, the way the teams, the league have navigated through unprecedented times, I think they've done a great job. But I also think something else. 
anybody can win it. And, and I mean that. I believe this New York Red Bulls team can get to MLS Cup and win it. It's a, it's a year where there's no real nine-month season. They're knockoff games. There are no fans in the stadium. No home field advantage. So you get hot to your point. I mean, a good game. You get a win against Toronto. I honestly believe New York Red Bulls can win MLS Cup. I don't think they're a, a favorite, but I absolutely would not be shocked this year if they do. Well, let's bring on the young man who helped bring to life this New York Red Bull season. In a span of four days, he scored a game-winning and a game-tying goal to become the youngest player in MLS history to score in each of his first two games. Caden Clark, thanks for being with us, and I know the fans say thank you as well. You've been a key contributor in steadying the ship for the team this year. Thanks for giving us a few moments. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on today. I'm looking forward to it. It seems like everything in this world is upside down in the year 2020. And it's at this time, strangely, that your career has taken flight. So take us back to that first day with the first team, signing a contract, scoring a goal. In the days leading up to that very big moment, tell us what was happening behind the scenes. Were you keenly aware that Minnesota was about to trade your rights? Yeah, so we just got back from our USL game. Um, against Atlanta, Atlanta, Atlanta United too. And the next day we came in for testing and, you know, just sporting director called me in. We talked um, and he told me that I'm starting my 10 day quarantine. Um, you know, the quarantine to jump between the USL and the MLS. So, um, and after the deal is almost done with Minnesota. So therefore we're going to quarantine you now and then hopefully be ready for the game against uh, Atlanta. So that's when I, that's when I knew it was all going to happen. Um, and I was just super happy. And, you know, I called my parents at first, told them how, how uh, excited I was to get the opportunity. And, you know, the parents are really excited and happy for me. Um, so it was just a really cool moment for me knowing that. And then, you know, it was a little process because of, um, you know, Minnesota. So that was the complicated part. But I think it was just a really cool um, moment for me to get those 10 days to adjust and to mentally get ready. So I think like the 10 day quarantine really helped me just prepare for what I was about to go into um, let my body rest a little bit and mentally just focus on being with the first team now so I think it couldn't have been a better setup for me um, preparing wise and I think you know just super happy that they brought me in at this time um, you know between a trial and error run because you know they, they weren't doing so well and they were at the same time you know they're on and off on some games so I think it was a really it was the perfect situation for me to come to the team um, because of giving everyone opportunities. So I couldn't be happier to join this team at that moment for sure. So Caden, I'm going to get back to where Steve led you uh, that first opening game, the next game, but you mentioned your parents. So I want to go back a little bit to your childhood and obviously uh, your dad and your mom uh, experienced top shelf fitness professionals, consultants. I know your dad, worked with Olympians, uh, professional athletes. How integral were they in your childhood in terms of your athletic development? Yeah, you know, they played a huge part. And now I look back on it, you know, like every day I would be training with my dad um, and my mom would be helping me as well. And I think it's just like the perfect, like the perfect thing to like grow up in as a family, as one of being a professional athlete. You know, I have my dad as a coach, my mom as a coach you know, both know about sleep, diet, 
training, what you need to work on, mobility, your body. So, you know, I was very fortunate to, to get put in this place uh, and having those, those people as my parents. And I think they're the best parents I could have asked for because at the same time, they're coaching me and pushing me every day. And then they're also my parents at the end of the day. And they know, they know that fine line um, between a coach and a parent. So I think, you know, after a bad game, we'll talk about it coaching-wise. And then as a parent, we'll also talk about it, um, you know, what I can do better. And they're just super supportive in every way. And I couldn't have asked for better parents. Um, you know, my dad and mom always out here. Uh, and we, we train when my dad's here and, you know, just spend family time. And I think it's really cool that they experienced it. And now I can, you know, follow their footsteps in being a professional athlete. So I couldn't have asked for better parents. What exactly does your dad do as the fitness consultant? And he's had some big clients like the NFL's Minnesota Vikings, Caden. Can you, can you tell us a little bit more about what he does for you and, and others, yeah. apparently? Yeah, so my dad, uh, growing up, played basketball, football, track, and he went to um, IU as a track star um, in Indiana and, you know, ran track, um, you know, really, really, really athletic guy. And ran for Nike after college, uh, ran it for Nike in races. And then he started coaching and he was a running coach. And now he's a speed agility quickness coach and he helps people lose weight. Um, you know, he has many, many clients that he's helped like all the time lose weight and just be stronger and, and, you know, not only focus on lifting the weights, it's, it's way more than just lifting the weight. So I think that makes him, that makes him unique in what he does. Um, you know, he works with a ton of athletes, um, you know, agent, when Adrian Peterson was in Minnesota, um, he was uh, one of my dad's big clients and a bunch of, bunch of NFL players now from the Vikings. But I think for me, it's kind of like he was like always leading me to the right thing um, sports wise and like advice wise. And he was the one that moved me from Minnesota to Arizona, just knowing just knowing how sports go and just situations and just leading me here to New York as well. You know, he's at the end of the day, it's my decision, but I take it in his info that he's giving me and advice he's giving me to make that decision. So I think, you know, just him leading me the right way this whole time. And I wouldn't be in this position without both my parents, but especially my dad, because he just, he's aware of, of what's going on, not just on the field. And, uh, and I think that, you know, for me as an athlete, what he's done for me is like, like I said, body work, you know, in the off season, I'll, I'll do yoga, stretching, mobility, I uh, will do strength classes, cardio classes, um, you know, and he's all, my parents are both also workers for NordaTrack, um, the big company NordaTrack. And they, uh, yeah, you know, if they're on your screen while you're working out on your treadmill or, mm -hmm. or bike, they're the ones leading those workouts. And it's unbelievable how much, like, how much you would, you wouldn't believe how much they help people. Um, my parents get messages all the time about people losing their weight and how it's changed their life. And like, that's what my parents do it for. They do it for those messages and, and people wanting to feel good about themselves. So I think it's, you know, it's, it's definitely unique. So I have a two part follow-up uh, to what you've just said. And then uh, I'm an old broken down Olympian. So I have to contact your parents and start <laughs> training with them. But I heard somebody ask you, if you weren't a pro soccer player, what sport would you play? And I think you said you want to be in the NFL, play football. Is that because of <laughs> your dad's background? 
Yeah, I think it's kind of, you know, like teenagers in high school, they want to go play football and I have football friends. So I think it's kind of just like that. But my dad did play football and knows a lot about football. So I think that definitely I would have got help there as well. Uh, I would have had a coach right at home as well. You got your first taste of the Hudson River rivalry versus New York City on Sunday. And the game I know obviously did not go the way the team wanted it to. What kind of an adjustment was it for you playing on the Yankee Stadium field for the first time, Caden? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, a really cool experience walking out there and uh, seeing the field. The field is a bit different, but it was really nice because they haven't had MLB games there Um in a decent amount of time so they could grow the grass out so it wasn't as normal you know with uh some some of the pitch on the baseball part so I think that was definitely a positive but the field was nice it was a little different very short um you know running up and down the field you weren't tired at all because it was so short Um, but I think it's a very very cool venue to play in um yeah I think I think as a team wise you know we just didn't play rebel football and how we wanted to play so I think it came at a perfect time, you know, actually, you know, yeah, we didn't play well. So now we know we, what we can't do in the next game going in a playoff. So we take it as a, of course, five, five, two losses. Now what you want to, to happen right before playoffs is of course for anybody, but I think, you know, looking on the brighter side of things, taking that, um, analyzing what we did wrong. You know, we had film this morning and we picked up what we did wrong and what we can, what we can't let happen uh, next game. So I think it's, it's uh, if it's gonna if it was gonna happen, it's good to happen now. So Caden, I I don't want to take you down a little bit off the pedestal, but you you caught lightning in a bottle. That's a once in a lifetime start to a career, um, but you realize the ups and downs. So you caught lightning in a bottle. You sparked and ignited and turned around the Red Bull season. But now over the last couple of games, you're still trying to feel your way into the game, find a rhythm, uh, get comfortable. How is that going? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, against, I believe it was against New England. I felt really good on the ball, confident, you know, not second guessing myself. Um, I felt that way against New York as well. It's just kind of, I would say, it's a team effort because we didn't have the ball as much as we wanted to in the right spaces in the right time as well. So I think it's kind of, you know, the team is going through some stuff, but for me, I would say it's just go out there and, and, and you just have fun and play. I think overthinking it and overanalyzing it. Sometimes you, you think about it too much. So I think, of course, I haven't scored since those last, since those first two games and I've taken note of that. And of course, you know, people want you to score after you score two goals in a row. So of course I'm trying to, you know, listen, but not listen to the, to the, to the critics at the same time. So I, of course I know. And of course, um, you know, I don't think there's pressure to be honest with you, but if there is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it. And I think it's kind of just a team wise, just, we haven't played our best. We've been getting a couple last minute goals. Um, but I think, you know, we're going to, we're going to rev it up now for this last playoff game or this last regular season game. Yeah. Well, don't, don't first of all, don't listen to the critics who are talking no. about scoring goals. And that's ridiculous. I mean, no. it happens from your position. That's great. But look, you'll find your way. It's about, it's about that rhythm, that flow, and, and, and finding the game and finding the ball. So kiss off those critics who, who are talking <laughs> about goal scoring. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I don't try to listen to them. But, of course, you want to understand what they want and what they're saying. So I think it's, uh, it's a little bit of, 
it's a little bit of each. Um, you know, as a, as a young as a young person, young player, I'm gonna go through that. I'm gonna l- try to listen to everybody what they say, and then your circle will get smaller and smaller as time goes on. So I think it's just kind of you know, if someone wants to say something bad to me, I want to hear it. You know, I want I like I don't mind hearing it because maybe it could be advice or feedback or you know, then I'll then I'll add it to my game or try to add it. So. I think, you know, just I'm just trying to get, uh, you know, a, a rhythm going in the game and trying to get a, a goal for the team against Toronto. Hey, Sunday, you will probably find yourself playing against Michael Bradley at some point. And I know he plays a different role for his team than you do for Red Bull, especially at the age of 33, right? But I'm wondering if when he's playing in World Cups in 2010 and 2014, and I understand you're so young at the time, was he an example of a player that you wanted to emulate? Yeah, of course. You see what he what he's done. And, you know, played over in Europe, coming back here and, and being a, a big player in the squad in the World Cup. You know, so, of course, I grew up watching him um, in 2014. I remember that that team um, with Jermaine Jones in it, Michael Bradley, Dempsey up there, Altero up there, um, Yedlin, you know, just a bunch of bunch of good guys that will go down in uh, USA history as as probably some of the best players. So I think, of course, it's going to be a really cool moment going, hopefully going up against him and dribbling him or, or something, you know, that would be really cool for me uh, or not or blocking something or just playing good defense. So definitely looking forward to going up against him. I'm going back to your dad, Chris Clark, again, because I think I read that at age three or four years old, he got a call from kindergarten or school or someplace yeah. <laughs> saying, I can't get Caden off the ball. And, yeah. and and so I want to get to the next point. At what age, after that day with your dad, at what age did you really say, this is for me? And and maybe who was the first player? Steve just asked about Mike Brad- Michael Bradley. Is there a player that was your player any place in the world? Yeah, so at a young age, I joined Barcelona Academy when I was about 13, turning 14. So I think I, to answer your first question, that is when I, th- I thought I could go pro was when I made that, and then I got called my first national team camp. So at that point, I was like, okay, I moved away from my family. I got called in the national team camp. Like, why wouldn't I try to now? You know, I sacrificed a lot at a young age to do that. You know, high school, friends, family. So I just ask myself a, a true question and there was no reason why I couldn't and shouldn't uh you know proceed with it so I think it was uh wasn't easy to, it was an easy decision but it took a lot of sacrifice to get to that point um and you know the second question I think you know I I don't remember I remember when I was 13 14 like that was a big time for me so I do remember that point but before that I think I just really enjoyed watching you know soccer in general um the world cup was amazing i remember every day we have summer camp summer camp uh speed agility quickness with my dad when i was younger every tuesday thursday and after that we would you know have speed agility quickness in at like 9 30 soccer at 10 30 go grab lunch and then do another workout or fun workout but we were so young so it wasn't too serious um you know but and then after that we would all go to someone's house watch the world cup you know have fun just be a kid and I think that was the that was like I enjoy this. I want to be on that TV one day, you know, bringing joy to other people. So I think that was uh, me growing up. But at 13, 14, definitely Lionel Messi. You know, I played for Barca Academy, so we were always watching Barcelona and just trying to learn from them. Um, and yeah. 
Hey, what is that academy all about, uh, Caden? Because, I mean, you you let us into it. People around the world here, Barcelona, they think of Lionel Messi and so many greats that preceded him. But what are they doing? Are they teaching the same principles that are employed at Barcelona? And, of course, what influence did Sean McCafferty have in your desire to play for Red Bull someday? Yeah, so the the methodology, sorry, um, is the same as Barcelona. So when I went over to train in Barcelona – like I wasn't lost at all because it was the same drills. Um, maybe, yeah, for sure, higher pace, but same drills. So I think that's really unique. And, like, no one really tr- like knew. Like, yeah, you can believe it, but no one knew except the four of us that went there and got that experience, and it was the exact same. I think every week, sorry, the, the academy director and the coaches are having phone calls with Barcelona. Like, there are coaches over there and learning what – drills or they're using or doing or certain things that they're changing in the system. Like sometimes we would press with our center mids on their center backs and just like having that communication with FC Barcelona is huge. And I think the methodology is the same. The values are the same. And I think that was very unique and that helped a lot of people out or a lot of kids develop and grow. Um, and to your second question, I think, yeah, Sean McCaffrey played a huge part in my development, um, you know, bringing me up, two ages to play playoffs uh, both years at my U15 and U17, bringing me up to the 17s and 19s in those playoffs were huge for me. Uh, got me exposure, got me playing up, got me with the national team. And I think that was a huge jump for me. Um, and it uh, and it's the best thing that could have happened for me. Um, and like you see a lot of players now, Julian Araujo, uh, Matthew Hoppy, uh, a couple others that are like playing in the MLS or playing overseas. And in, and in plenty of good colleges, so it's it's uh it's not just one or two kids; it's multiple kids, and I think that's showing proof to to people to go there and develop and to really learn the game. So I think it's a very 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 cool academy. Caden, I'm going to jump back to Europe because you got to meet and spend a little time with in Germany with Tyler Adams, and I think uh, connected with Jesse Marsh as well. Uh, how did that influence you? Good connections. Yeah, so uh, when I was over in trial at Leipzig and Wolfsburg, uh, I grabbed dinner with Tyler and my family, and we sat down just kind of talked about his journey, you know, how he's liking it over there, um, you know, just different things that that um, has changed in his life so quickly from moving from New York to, to Leipzig. So it was I'm pretty sure it was cool for him, too, you know, having an American there, you know, grabbing dinner with him, someone that speaks his language, um, you know. So I think it was a really cool, cool time over there um, and just kind of yeah, talking about his journey and, you know, what he's done here and what he's doing over there. I think that was that was the main the main thing for me. It was just, you know, learning how, you know, learning and trying to follow in his footsteps someday. Well, I know right now you're balancing your club duties with your personal life. We hope the day comes soon where you're balancing club and country, Caden. Can you see yourself someday playing in a midfield for your country with the likes of Pulisic, Reyna, McKinney, or the aforementioned Tyler Adams. That obviously must be the goal. Yeah, of course. It's, I think it's, uh, it's anybody's goal, you know, and, and the truth is, you know, that's not the reality because there, there are so many talented people. And uh, I think, you know, as we go on in time now, every, every week there's apparently there's like someone new uh, that could, you know, be in the squad. So I think it's, you know, you have to realize when I, or I'm realizing when I'm playing and practicing with my team or playing in a game is that I'm just not competing to try to win a, win a starting spot in this team. I'm also competing 
Zigan at U20 roster, you know, it goes to the World Cup next year or, you know, the, the men's national team or next, next year, you know, you just never, you're always competing for that. And I think that I need to keep that in the back of my mind. So when I'm playing, um, you know, I think there are, there are a lot of talented kids. And of course, that's my goal. And I, I hope to see myself there in the World Cup. Um, you know, it's Tyler Adams, McKinney, Reyna, Pulisic, Sargent. I think that would be a dream of mine. And I hope I uh, can achieve it. So, Caden, I, I don't have a final question. I'm going to give you a final thought that I hope is encouraging uh, because we're all rooting for you. And my partner, Steve Cangelosi, on the broadcast, always end up talking about, I always like to know, look, squad rotation, congestion, great. If you're a player, I'm always telling Cangelosi here, I want that coach to lock into his starting 11. So my friendly advice, given what you just talked about, the best coaching advice I ever got in my career is you win that job in the starting 11 and then don't let anybody ever take it away from you. So that's what I want for you. That's awesome. I really like that. Thank you. <laughs> Caden, it was terrific getting to know you with this chat. Good luck on decision day. And we'll be watching every move you make for the rest of this season and beyond. Take care. Thank you again. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you guys, and uh, have a good day. Thanks so much again to Caden Clark. When the playoff matchups are set, we'll return with the next edition of Believe in Soccer. Talk to you then. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.